All right, everybody, welcome to In the Flat, episode three. The title of this episode will be Nittany Lions, Clubs and Tigers, and Bruins. Oh, my. And if you didn't know, a Bruin is a bear, so it does make sense in the, in the whole nursery rhyme scheme of things. All right, so we had a couple big games last week. We, uh, you know, First up, obviously, Auburn versus Penn State was the Saturday night big-time game. It was a you know really good game. I think it, it came down to the last last play of the game as Auburn kind of drove down through the ball, um, but could not get that, that touchdown to go in and, and tie up Penn state. So Penn state with a really nice victory, um, you know, Sean Clifford really showed his mental. That was probably the best game I've ever seen Sean Clifford play uh, very good offensive effort, very good defensive effort. Jordan, when did you see this game? I, I saw it was close. Like you said, like that was probably the closest game we're going to see in a long, a while, just because, it just seemed they were equally matched, but just once again, uh, Bo Nix for Al Auburn showed up not to play. I mean, he showed himself, he showed the first two weeks of the season that he was a dominant QB, but this week he had no touchdowns and only 185 passing yards. So like, that's the biggest, you know, takeaway from Auburn is that, you know, Auburn needs to find that QB that can play in the big games. Otherwise they're just not going to, compete against the Alabamas. Totally agree. Ben, um, did you have a chance to check this game out? Yeah, you know, I know some of us expected bigger things from Auburn on Saturday night, but that's not an easy environment for anybody to play in. So, you know, I, I give major props to, to Auburn for at least showing up for that game. You know, that's not going to make them feel any better moving forward because you'd still have to get that win. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of teams in college football who are really pretty even right now as you look throughout the top 30. And, you know, honestly, playing at home for Penn State, that can be the difference. So, Yeah, you know, the whiteout, man, that's a, that's a crazy environment. I, I, I know Ohio State has been hurt a few times in that, area, in that arena and other teams have as well. So it's definitely a tough place to play. I was, I was actually really impressed with Auburn's defense and their running game. I feel like they can have a chance to upset some folks in the SEC and be really competitive there just based on that. But to your point, I think Bo Nix continues to kind of no-show these games. I mean, 185 yards with zero touchdowns. I guess only Bright Spotty's had no interceptions this time. But you got to you got to do more. You just have to. I mean, you got to get towards that, you know, 250, 300 yard range, get a couple touchdowns, and really give your team something to really strive on. I mean, I feel like, you know, they're good if they get ahead of you because they can just grind you out with running game. But I don't think if they can't do that, it's going to be hard for them to really catch up and and beat teams like they were trying to beat on Penn State last week. So, all right. The other big game, obviously, was Florida and Alabama. You know, this was your classic SEC battle. You know, the two rivals went back and forth at it. Um, this was actually Alabama's eighth straight victory over the Gators dating back to 2009. Um, but it was a close game. I mean, it was a two-point game, and Florida had a chance to tie it with a two-point conversion, but it just fell short. Um, really good game for both sides. You know, it, I, I was really impressed with Florida. I really thought this was going to be a blowout towards Alabama's favor, but it wasn't that way. Jordan, what was your takeaways from this game? Um, Florida outplayed Alabama. Um, they had over 100 more total yards. Their rushing game was 
outstanding 245 rushing yards. And I mean, also holding Alabama's rush offense to only 91 yards. That's huge. I mean, that's a big feat to do for any team. So if Alabama, if Florida didn't throw that pick early in the game, I think Florida could have came out and won this game, but that pick led to a touchdown. Um, But I mean, Bryce Young still had a dominant performance. He's, he looks. He didn't uh, stop. He didn't miss a step at all this uh, week. You know, three touchdowns. So I think he still on continues the Heisman push. Sure. You know, I um, kind of watching this game. Um, you know, what it, what it seemed like to me was that Alabama got ahead twenty-one-three and just kind of maybe took their foot off the gas a little bit. And then Florida, to your point, just outplayed them. Really came came with it with energy on the defensive side, offensive side. Where I really think the difference is, I think Florida could have ran away with this game if they had a different quarterback. So their backup quarterback got hurt last week, who, who has been playing a lot and is averaging like some crazy like 30 yards a play or something. And, you know, he didn't get to play this game. So Emory Jones did a decent job, 181 yards, but again, no touchdowns, one interception. It was really all down to running game and grinding this one out, playing some good defense. What this showed me, though, is I feel like you know, Georgia will have a good chance to to beat Alabama pretty convincingly to my, my point of view in the, in the SEC championship game. They have a really good defense and a, and a decent enough offense to, to give Alabama fits. So, uh, Ben, anything to add on this for any last thoughts? Yeah, real quick. Uh, you know, Alabama was the last team that hadn't shown a chink in the armor, right? Literally every other team in America has shown some kind of weakness or several. We finally got to see it for Alabama. And you guys are right. If the Florida quarterback, if the Florida backup quarterback gets to play in this game, it might be a very different story. And if Alabama hadn't jumped out to such a huge lead, uh, you know, after about the first quarter, quarter and a half, Florida really did dominate this game on both sides of the line of scrimmage. So, you know, uh, gives hope to everybody else who's not Alabama. (laughs) Yep. So, uh, yeah, that was an interesting week. I, I think there it shows there really is no one dominant team this year. Um, I mean, Georgia uh, obviously is still winning pretty defensively, but I don't feel like they played anybody yet. Uh, well, they played Clemson, but I don't even know what I think about Clemson this year. So I guess we'll have to kind of watch that and see. There was quite a few close calls this weekend, so let's dive into some of those. So first up, Oklahoma. I mean, this, I don't know what to call this performance over Nebraska, but – they won by seven, 23 to 16. Um, you know, this offensive performance by Oklahoma had to rake much the worst um, in the Lick and Riley era. They really – they only scored 23 points. You're thinking this team's going to score 60 a game, and they scored 23. Um, looking up the, the records here, that was the lowest they've scored since 2016. So, last five years, that's the lowest output that they've had. So, it's just interesting. I, I just didn't expect this, and I guess they really – Bad Nebraska team that lost to Illinois, who's been losing to everybody else. So just a weird college football season. Ben, what what are your takeaways from this one? Yeah, you know, Spencer Rattler didn't have a great game. I, I, I will say this. I thought Nebraska came out with a decent game plan to at least kind of sort of try to hem in Spencer Rattler. And we saw this in quite a few college football games this weekend where the defenses now have a couple of weeks of film to kind of look at other teams and see what they're see what they're capable of. And so, you know, while at the same time, this was a, a bad performance by Oklahoma, we're so used to seeing them put up a lot of points. I do give some credit here to, to Nebraska for at least kind of having a game plan to stop Spencer Rattler, not stop him, but slow him down, him and in, try to limit the damage. I, I do give them credit for that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, 
I think they definitely came with it. I think, you know, this is a rivalry game too. So they're, they're came into it motivated. Scott Frost, the coach has, has played in these type of games against Nebraska before. So, I mean, against Oklahoma before. So he's, he was sure he had his team up ramp ready to go. So, I mean, you gotta, you gotta do have to credit them there. I am a little worried about the offense though. I mean, that's this really, there, there's been quarters where they just don't score in every game this year. And it just feels like, I don't know what's happening, but they're going to get into the Big 12 um, season here. And there's some teams that, you know, could play better defense in Nebraska and some of the other teams. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do there. Um, so, Jordan, any, any final thoughts on this game? I just – that Oklahoma just couldn't score. I mean, they, they had 408 total yards, and that's – I mean, most teams can't even get that anytime. So they just couldn't score. I mean – I think the one big takeaway for Oklahoma is that their rush defense was their rush defense was really well was really good, um, allowing only ninety five rushing yards. I mean, that it looks like they actually found a rush. You know, stopping the rush is going to work for them, but their pass defense is still still down, not doing that well. I mean, and I think that's the biggest thing that made this game so close is they couldn't stop them from passing. I mean, Nebraska almost had 300 total or passing yards. So, I mean, just, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, if there's one thing that the Big 12 is really good at, and that's passing. So, they're about to get into a um, very difficult stretch against um, some really good teams that's going to probably make them, you know, fight every single game this year. So, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, next up, we had Clemson over Georgia Tech. And this was, I don't know, this might have set football back, you know, a couple, <laughs> couple years here. Um Clemson with a 14 to eight victory over Georgia tech. Now this is a Georgia tech team. that I think lost in Northern Illinois earlier in the season. This is not a good Georgia tech team. They're still in a rebuild mode and they Clemson could not score. They just could not score the ball against them. And it was just very ugly. Um, you know, it's, I just, I just couldn't believe how close this game was. Georgia tech had a, an opportunity to tie, could have get it done. Uh, but the offense just continues to struggle for Clemson. Ben, what, what did you see in this game? This is going to be my first time trying to pronounce his name, so you guys right. give me all you want, okay? DJ Uwe Agalale. Good job. Okay, thank you. Um, 18 for 25, 126 yards. In what universe does Clemson do that against Georgia Tech? Um, there is no planet on which Georgia Tech should be able to hang anywhere near close to the Tigers, especially in Death Valley. Um, and that really makes you wonder about this offense. And specifically, you guys mentioned it, I think, before the broadcast, the offensive line. The offensive line is, is almost a disaster. Not quite, but almost. And, and that quarterback, being as young as he is, he's not going to be able to do anywhere near what he might think about doing if the offensive line doesn't step up. He's not at the point of, say, any of the top senior quarterbacks in, in college football right now where he can step up and, and just rescue – this team from poor offensive line play the defense looks great you know it, and when they played so poorly against Georgia early in the year you thought okay well that was Georgia and maybe Clemson's not top two material but they're still top 10 I personally looking at Clemson so far I, I'm not even sure they're a top 20 team at this point I mean it's really bad on offense and um, it starts with that offensive line it continues through the quarterback but also their skill position guys are not as good as they were, say, two or three years ago when they were racking up titles and banging around against Alabama. So, you know, I've got Clemson kind of ranked number 15 right now, give or take, but not not a good look Saturday for the Tigers. Yeah, you know, it really was it. And to your point, I think the offensive line is, is really part of the struggle. If you combine an offensive line with the quarterback's inability to 
to be mobile and move around, you know, and get some yards with his legs, which they've been used to with Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson in the past. With them mm-hmm. missing that, I mean, they've always had a not great offensive line. I've, I've been watching Clemson for a while, and that's always been probably the weakness of their team is a, is a weak offensive line, but they've always had really good skill players and a really mobile quarterback that can get the ball out quick and that they can really make up for the fact that they have a weak, weaker offensive line. Um, now they don't have, you know, a top tier running back. They don't have um, a quarterback that can run. They have a weak offensive line. The skill players aren't making plays and it just adds up to a really, really bad offense. What I'm interested to see them, you know, is Will Shipley is their new running back number one with, um, you know, they had their one of their ones that came into the season. Lynn Dixon, I think, was supposed to be starting. Obviously, he has not done a good job in that with transferring away. So Will Shipley, the true freshman, is going to get the start. He is really good. I, I watched him in high school. He's a really good, outstanding athlete that could be a really outstanding running back. So I'm interested to see if that changes the offense at all. But with the bad offensive line, it, it may not. It might be a bunch of screen games and, and scoring that way the defense will definitely have to continue to carry this team that's for sure um moving on to ohio state and tulsa so you know obviously if you if you're just looking at the final score it was 41 to 20 ohio state you're like oh yeah they beat tulsa 21 points easy game but this game was within seven with six minutes to go ohio state was winning 27 to 20 and i'm like this is tulsa what are, what's going on here and it was just C.J. Stroud, again, another bad game, 185 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Um, I just don't – I don't know what to think of their their offense and their defensive struggles. Tulsa, which was 0-2 coming into this game, had no trouble, you know, getting to the 20 points that they had. They should have had more points. They just made their own mistakes that caused them not to be able to score more. And then Ohio State, just on the offensive side, this again, C.J. Stroud just cannot run the football, so it's causing the defenses to play them a little differently, and they're not able to – you know, pass as well in this game. So I, I just don't know what to think of Ohio State. Um, Jordan, what do you what did you think of this game? I'm right with you on that one. I mean, Ohio State was getting basically dominated until the last six minutes. I mean, how could you like a how could you let a 0 and three Tulsa team or 0 and two Tulsa team come in and throw over 400 passing yards <laughs> on you? It, it's it's just kind of sad to see Ohio State defense just look awful. They played good against the rush, but I don't think that's gonna. There's so many better teams that can pass the ball that I don't think they they can beat a good passing team. Yeah, you but, know, and, and it's Tulsa. It's not like Tulsa. I don't think has a really good running game, so they they probably just threw it on. So they 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 couldn't run it. But there's gonna be plenty of teams in the Big Ten like a Michigan that can run the football and pass. So I'm interested to see what happens with that. But the one good thing with Ohio State, I saw this game, is they're, they're rushing. You know, their running backs are playing – played amazing. I mean, they, they're they they're rushing uh, – running back – what's his name? Trevion Henderson. Yeah, yeah, he – 277 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, he averaged 11.5 yards a carry. That's I mean, he, he was he was the he was the man in high school. He was like the number one running back recruit in high school. So I'm not surprised to see him breaking out like this. And that's a that's a new single game freshman record. And you got to remember all the the great running backs that have been through Ohio State, and he's got that record now. So um, that's just interesting. I mean, if I was Ohio State, I would just run the football the rest of the season. And then let it open up your passing game a bit, but not. I know you have all these great wide receivers, but I just don't think this team is made 
for that, or you have to make a quarterback switch. You have to make one of the two, I think. Um, go moving on to um, another close call: Oklahoma State over Boise State. Oklahoma State won twenty-one um, to twenty. Um, Jalen Warren for Oklahoma State, I think, ran for two hundred eighteen yards and two touchdowns. And then Oklahoma State pitched a second half shutout um, to, to pull this game out over Boise State. Um, so that group of five, you know, outside of Cincinnati, is starting to struggle a little bit with some losses here. Um, you know, Boise State did have a chance to steal this game, but um, they their field goal attempt was blocked with two minutes ago in this game. So they were they lost another heartbreaking game. I think this is their second heartbreaker that they lost already this season. Um, I don't know, Ben. Did you get a chance to um, check this game out at all? This was not a game I saw firsthand, but, you know, we, we, we were used to Oklahoma State being able to score more points than this. And, again, we talked about this on the last podcast. This is not the first time this, this year that they've struggled a little bit. And, you know, the record's good, but we're, we're still not sure how good the Cowboys are this year. Um, you know, they get the win. That's nice. But, you know, they've, they've got the work cut out for them in, in, a, in a conference that's going to have plenty of teams to, to give them plenty of trouble this year. Yeah, that's for sure. All right, let's go to some upsets. We had quite a few upsets. Now, some of these are like playoff impacting. A couple are. Um, so let's start with the Pac-12 continuing to struggle a bit. Um, Fernzo State with a um, huge win over UCLA. Um, I want to call out this game. Jake Hayner, you know, he had a huge game for, for 455 yards. But he, I think he had like oh, maybe a cracked rib. Um, was really injured in this game and still led them on a go-ahead touchdown drive to beat the Bruins 40-37. Uh, to 37. This was a outstanding victory for Prenzo State, but a very you know, impactful loss for Pac-12 as they have another team that was undefeated have a loss. Jordan, what were your takeaways from this game? Uh, UCLA doesn't look good. Um, a Fresno State team that most people coming this season didn't think they would be good. Um, having 569 total yards and five, 455 of those were passing. And that, that there were almost 200 more total yards than UCLA, which is supposed to be a really good team. Um, that's the biggest thing. I think UCLA just didn't play good. I think Fresno State came out and wanted to play. And like you said, Fresno State's QB was injured that last drive. It took him a good 10 minutes to get off the field after throwing that touchdown pass. Um, and the biggest takeaway, though, with that game is there was five total turnovers between or combined for the teams. That's that's just the biggest thing I saw in that game. Yeah, you know, I will say, if you read my prediction column, I did say Jake Hainer of Fresno State was going to have a Huge year, so I, I will say I was right in this one prediction at least. I get a couple right every now and then, but I do think Fresno State is better than most people give them credit for. UCLA, I think, is not as good as we probably thought, and I think that's partly probably due to the fact that they beat LSU, which we thought was going to be a good team and is not a good team. So I think there's just a lot of, like, okay teams, and they're just beating each other. We're faking things, and I don't think none of us know what's going on at this point, but – um, a good win for Prenzo State. Um, I, I really admired Jake Tainers and his ability to, to come back and, and really fight for pain to win this game. So, you know, if he continues this path, he could be on like at least a top 10 list for the Heisman. I think he's done a really good job so far this year. Um, let's go to BYU over Arizona State. So BYU has now won three in a row against the Pac-12 and gives another Pac-12 team their first loss of the season. Um, you know, 
their quarterback threw for 214 yards, added number 30 yards on the ground, and led BYU to this victory. So it seems like they're not missing their um, Zach Wilson as much as we thought they were going to going into the season. Ben, what 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 is your thoughts on this game? What did you see? You know, it, what really stands out to me is BYU seems to be one of those programs that, you know, they're not going to compete for national title anytime soon, but they just know how to build a football team year in and year out. And we see this from, say, Fresno State quite often. We've seen it from Boise State for 20 years now, in spite of the fact that they're on their fifth different head coach. For whatever reason, some programs just seem to know every new season how to put together a decent football team. And to me, BYU just looks efficient. They look well-coached. They look well-managed. They look like they have their act together um, versus some other teams that we'll talk about, like, say, Miami, Florida, who just look sloppy. And, and that's what really stands out to me for BYU. This was a good game versus Arizona State. It was worth staying up late to watch. And BYU comes out with it because, to me, they just look better prepared. They look like they've really got their act together. Yeah, no, I mean, they really do. And this figure out this in a couple of years, they'll be going to the Big 12. And that could be a team that, you know, may be able to compete for a playoff in the future because they have a bigger major conference behind them. So be interested right. to see that. Um, but yeah, no, another good performance. And again, another loss by the Pac 12, which now has, I think, only one team left undefeated, which is Oregon. Um, let's go to the next game West Virginia and Virginia Tech. So this was interesting. Um, West Virginia got a huge lead in this game, but Braxton Burmeister, the quarterback from Virginia Tech, nearly brought them back from that 20-point deficit, uh, but his fourth down pass fell incomplete at the goal line in the final minute, which handed the Mountaineers a 27-21 victory. So then, you know, coming in this one, I felt we, I think we might all felt like Virginia Tech was better than they showed in this game, but what, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, entering in, I picked West Virginia to win, but I still thought Virginia Tech was the better team, and they just about pulled it out. Like you said, right there at the end of the game, they had their chance, and if you're a Hokie fan, you're like, oh, my goodness, we were one play away from being 3-0 and and having knocked off North Carolina and a, and a road win in Morgantown, and it just didn't happen. And what you're seeing with Virginia Tech, with, with the ACC, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, you're seeing a lot of teams clustered together, and it's really small things that lead to a victory. And, and that's what it was in, in Morgantown. You know, Virginia Tech struggled for parts of this game, but they still could have won this game. And I do think they're the better team. And I do think that even with the loss now, I do think they should get consideration for being ranked in the top 25. I still think this is a legit team. But we said it last week. I just don't trust that hokey coaching staff at this point enough to go into these other road venues and pick up victories automatically. They're just not there yet at that point. No, totally agree. They, you know, one thing that um, I've noticed under their, their current coach is they're very inconsistent where they can really show up and look really great one week and then not show up the next week. And I'm hoping this is not a trend. I'm hoping this takes ran to a really good West Virginia team. I'm hoping that's not a every ever week type of situation for them because ACC needs some really good teams. And so Virginia Tech would be, you know, helpful to their cause for sure. Uh, let's go to Michigan State, Miami. Um, so, this was an interesting game. I think coming in, I think we all felt pretty strongly that Michigan State was going to have a good showing, um, but they really had no issue with Miami. This was not a close game at all. Their, their Michigan State running back continues to run out of his mind, running for 172 yards. Um, their quarterback threw for 261 yards and four touchdowns. It was just a really complete performance. 
Um, so, you know, Ben, what do you think about this? Does Michigan State have a shot here in the Big Ten? Uh, well, it, personally, no. They're going to do some damage. <laughs> I don't think they're worse than a lot of these other teams. But the, but the Big Ten has, I don't know, five or six teams right there with Iowa, with Ohio State, with Michigan, and, and now with Michigan State. They're just kind of clustered together. I, I have a hard time seeing any one of them jump out. But Michigan State looked fantastic on Saturday. I actually picked Miami to win by a hair. They had no chance in this game. And, and, and you know, it's not because they don't have a decent quarterback. Dorit King threw for almost 400 yards in this game. And yet uh, they lose the turnover battle, two interceptions, two fumbles. Michigan State looks like a well-oiled machine. They're running the football with Kenneth Walker for, like you said, 172 yards. And, and when Miami is moving the football and yet can't seem to score, this is three games now. App State, Alabama, they cannot score the football, even though they're passing for some yardage. You start to kind of peek backwards to that coaching staff a little bit. They look a little sloppy. They can't establish the wrong game. They can't get points on the board. And so you kind of start to look back at that Miami coaching staff just a little bit here. You do. Um, Jordan, what do you think? Do you think it's time for a change with the with that coaching staff in Miami, or do you want to give them a little more time here? Give them more time. Uh, I don't think the coaching staff was the reason that game was, like, the, the score difference. Uh, Miami had four, or four turnovers. Uh, yeah. That's big. I mean, when you have four turnovers against a team that – against Michigan State team, you're, you're bound to lose. I mean, Michigan State's not been a bad team for many years. And if you turn the ball over four times, <clears throat> it just makes it a lot easier to come back. But uh, the good thing with Miami is that um, King had a good game. Um, he hasn't showed that he was good. He hasn't showed that he's an elite QB the whole season. Yeah, he had two interceptions, but like Ben said, he had almost 400 passing yards. That was his first good game this year. I mean, so that's a good sign for Miami. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I, I don't remember seeing any cats hanging from the stadium this time, so I think they, they got away <laughs> with that one too. So good sign there for, for Miami. Um, last one, this is just um, – I really – I didn't watch this game. Uh, I don't know if any of us did, but Western Michigan – 44 to 41 over Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh was undefeated coming in this game. Um, and this is like the fourth or fifth FCS victory over FBS team this year. So just wanted to point it out. I, I don't know what's going on, what's in the water for the FCS schools, but they're they're doing pretty well this year. So um, you got to watch out if you schedule them, if you're one of those big te- big teams here. Um, so let's talk about some other major items that, that came out of this weekend. Uh, you know, one I saw as an Notre Dame fan that caught my eye is USC. Um, Jackson Dart, you know, debuting for USC, you know, Washington State opened up with a really early lead and then US, um, you know, USC were probably thinking that, okay, this game is going to get, you know, another blowout. We just fired our coach. What's happening here? And then enter Jackson Dart and they had an offensive explosion leading to 45 unanswered points. Ben, what do you think of Jackson Dart? Do you see the real deal or is Washington State just a bad team? Yeah, I kind of felt like Washington State's just a bad team, to be honest. <laughs> uh, you know, USC had a ton of energy going into this football game with their interim coach, yet they looked kind of shocked at the start of the game. In spite of the energy, they just kind of looked volatile and shocked, and they were they were getting blown out in the first quarter. And, and Jackson Dart was actually part of that early in the game, and but then he turned it around. And like you said, 45 points later, I mean, Washington State's laying on the ground like a bully beatdown, and USC comes out. You know, 
there were a lot of people, Matt Leinert and, and, and Reggie Bush this week talked about how, you know, the new interim coach Williams had made a lot of changes and they all look great. There's a lot of emotion, a lot of energy, and, and that's all great. Time's going to tell, though. You're, there's more good teams to be played there in the Pac-12. You know, I, I'm not overly excited about this other than, hey, we got to win here. Um, we'll see moving forward. Yeah, you know, and it's it's always it's always easier for a backup quarterback to come in and have a really good outing because there's no tape on him. Now there's some tape out on him. Defense is going to adjust to what he's doing. Let's see what, what happens in the game now. Um, all right, Memphis um, over Mississippi State. I just wanted to mention this game because if you guys not see it, please go on YouTube and check this out. But Calvin Austin the third returned a punt 94 yards in a really bizarre fashion to open up an 11-point lead that Mississippi State can never recover from. Now, what happened here is, you know, the ball was – look, it had just stopped moving on a, on a punt. And then he came running around, grabbed the ball, and then took off unanswered 94 yards. And they got the score. Now, I know SEC officials afterwards were saying this should have happened. It, it should have been called dead. But it wasn't. And Memphis got the 94-yard touchdown and won this game. So that was a surprise for me just because it was over SEC team. I really thought Mississippi State was going to do more in this game, but they not quite there yet with Mike Leach. Uh, Never one I wanted to call out some sad news. Dylan Gabriel, the, the starting quarterback at US, UCF, Central Florida, you know, is going to be sidelined with a broken cavicle. So I don't know how long that's going to be, if that's for the season, I imagine, or most of the season. Uh, you know, you hate to see those type of injuries. Um, he was doing really good for Central Florida. I'm not sure what their backup quarterback situation looks like, but you just got to hope that they have um, – they're able to get somebody good in there that can put up a fight against uh, the Cincinnati's of the world and make that AAC a good conference this year. Uh, another one I thought was interesting, um, a Hail Mary for SMU. So um, Louisiana Tech booted a 47-yard field goal, 36 seconds left. They were celebrating. They thought they had the game. Uh, but with, um, you know, a little bit of time left, Tanner Monarchai drove, the, drove them down the field, SMU, and then this threw up uh, a play up to Red Robertson, got the win. They walked off, SMU with the victory. So, you know, that's why you always got to play for that final whistle, always got to knock that ball down. So a huge win for SMU. And really it's a huge win for Cincinnati because if they would have lost this game, then that whole AAC is looking really weak. And Cincinnati needs them to be as strong as they can because Indiana obviously is not going to have the record that they they probably want them to have. Uh, who knows what's going to happen with Notre Dame? So they need all the the good teams they can play if they want to have a playoff chance this year. Um, finally, almost finally, Florida State is now 0-3. This is the first time since 1976. So they didn't just lose this game. It was a 35-14 loss to Wake Forest. Ben, what happened to Florida State? They're just a lot worse than we thought they were. <laughs> I, I can remember uh, it's been two weeks, only two weeks now since we, we saw them play Notre Dame and they looked great. And, and we thought, well, you know, they could have a pretty solid year. They could go seven and five and make a ball game. And that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, Milton, the quarterback, uh, he's looked ever since the Notre Dame game. He's looked like I thought he was going to look when I saw him come into the Notre Dame game. And he had just an amazing, you know, a fourth quarter there against Notre Dame but ever since then uh it, it's same old Florida State and and what you're starting to see and this can really be dangerous because we've seen the same thing happen to the, to the Tennessee volunteers over the past 10 to 12 years after a while people just kind of don't take you seriously anymore and that includes recruits 
And, yeah. you know, recruits do not like to join programs that are struggling. They don't like to lift you up out of the mud. They'd rather go join Alabama or, or Florida and step on you. And, and so Florida State here, they're just not anywhere near as good as we thought after that Notre Dame game. And it's getting really ugly really fast. Yeah, you know, and I've already heard talk of Florida State potentially looking to fire your coach for this year after two years. This will be like the third time in a row where they, they fire a coach after like a couple of years. And they just, if they do that, I mean, that's going to set them back huge because recruits are not, are not going to want to go to a place that fires a coach every couple of years. You know, you got to have a coach that at least give them four to five years to do something. And if you, right. I, I just hope they give them that, that chance because I, I don't know what's going on there, but I, I know that they're in a really bad state. Uh, finally, I, I did want to call out a, the catch of the year, I think, at this point, DJ Graham with the interception for yes. um, Oklahoma against Nebraska. Jordan, I didn't see this one live. I think you did. What, when you saw it, did you say, oh, yeah, this is definitely the, the catch yeah, of the year? Yeah, dude, it was nasty. I mean, uh, uh, if you anyone listening gets a chance, you know, go look up uh, Kyle Murray's uh, view of it. He was on sideline, and the, it, seeing it real time, on TV was good, you know, a great catch, but seeing it from someone's point of view on the sideline recording it, it just makes it look 10 times better. Oh, it yeah. was great. It was awesome. Okay. Uh, catch, like, like you said, catch of the year. Oh, for sure. All right. Now that we talked about this week, let's talk about next week. We have um, some decent matchups for next week. I mean, there's a couple so-so matchups, but I think there's some good ones that we can really kind of stick our teeth into. So let's first start with um, – the podcast's favorite team. Uh, I'm sorry, Ben, if this is not your favorite team, but Notre Dame at Wisconsin. So this one will be a soldier field in Chicago. So NFL feel to it. Um, for me, I, I think that Notre Dame, I've heard a lot of talk about Wisconsin is going to be able to really destroy that bad Notre Dame offensive line. But I just feel like Notre Dame, you know, kind of figured himself out this last game. Yeah, it was a little ugly 27 to 13 over Purdue, but I, I feel like they, you know, kind of found a formula that works with a lot of their screen passes to the running back to be kind of extension of their running game. Their, um, their, their wide receivers had a bad game last game when I think they're going to be really focused where they go for this game. And I think their defense have figured it out. I think their defense is going to be all over Wisconsin who, who doesn't seem like they can throw the ball very well at all right now. So right now I have a low scoring because I still feel like offensive line will hurt them a little bit, but I think 24, 10 is my, my score. Jordan, who you got in this game? Same as you got Notre Dame, um, same score, 24, 10, uh, everything you said, you know, Notre Dame's offense is looking like it's clicking. Um, Jake Cohen looks like he's getting more comfortable um, in the pocket just in general. Offensive line looked better against Purdue. Uh, <clears throat> their defense, all the players that are spitting in, uh, the new players that are just kind of going into new positions and everything, look like they're finally, you know, settling down, getting used to playing. Um, and I, I think Kyle Hamilton is going to have another big game this this week. So. I got Notre Dame. All right. Ben, what do you got? I, I won't speak along on this because I'm just right there with you guys. Notre Dame so far this year looks like the better team. Wisconsin in the one game that seemed to matter against Penn State, they were just sloppy. They were all over the place. Uh, Wisconsin, I think they can hang in this game. And, yeah, they got a puncher's chance to win this game, but I'm picking Notre Dame. They just look better so far this season. All right. All right. Next up, Texas A&M and Arkansas. So this is an interesting game. I think coming into the season, most people would have picked Texas A&M, but after seeing the way Arkansas has performed all year, I feel like Arkansas is just going to suffocate them on defense. 
and just run the ball down their throat and win this one 31 to 21. Um, not much else to say to this one from my side, but Jordan, what do you, what do you think? I got Arkansas too, um, 35 to 17. I, like you said, I mean, coming in, you didn't see Arkansas being ranked. Uh, you, you see them losing to Texas and, but I mean, the way they handled Texas and uh, I think they're going to do the same thing to Texas tech. I think it's just, especially at home. I don't know the last time Arkansas was ranked anywhere. I mean, so they're ranked this year and being at home is going to be a big uh, challenge for Texas A&M to overcome. Yep. How about you, Ben? Texas A&M doesn't need a bad defense to have a poor scoring out. <laughs> They've shown up this year. And that was even before their backup quarterback went down. Uh, Texas A&M has shown no hope of scoring any points versus anybody at any time this season. And so I'm totally picking Arkansas in this game. Um, unless A&M just surprises me, I think this might even be an ugly game. Um, that, that doesn't mean they won't hang around in the first half. But I think by the end, uh, I see Arkansas by double digits pretty easily here. All right. Next up, I don't know what this game is going to look like, but I could tell you this would probably be ugly. Um, Clemson at North Carolina State. So North Carolina State came out the gate 45-0 and looked terrible last week. Um, I don't know what to expect in this game, but I'm, I'm thinking Clemson is going to ugly this game up 13-3. to I mean, I, I, That's hard for me to give Clemson even 13 points, but I'm going to give them 13 points, um, and they're going to win this one in a kind of ugly fashion against North Carolina State. Jordan, what about you? Uh, it's it's just going to be a boring game to watch. Uh, I, I have Clemson winning seven to zero. I oh think man, this is, it's it's just going to be a slow roll game that's going to last hours because no offense is going to do anything. I think I, I would have. Uh, good question, but has has Clemson even scored an offensive touchdown this year? I, I try to remember if they have. Um, I I honestly don't know. I I would have to look that fact up. Yeah, it's not been good. Because I'm thinking you, you're giving them too many points. It might be more six nothing. You know? <laughs> All right, Ben, what about you, man? Yeah, this is ugly. This is an ugly game. I've got Clemson only because I think they – well, I know they have better athletes than NC State. Clemson has shown almost as little ability to score as Texas A&M this year. There was a time, you go back a decade, where Clemson fans were scared to death to go to NC State because NC State would either beat them uh, every other year or make it a close game, even though Clemson had the better team. That's been a long time ago now. But I expect NC State to have a chance in this game. I don't expect them to win it, but I do think it's going to be ugly and low scoring. And, you know, a couple of turnovers in the wrong place could give NC State the game here. All right. Um, I just like to go on record. Uh, Clemson has nine total offensive touchdowns. Oh, that's really? right. They have, the, uh, they have uh, a weak system. Uh, yeah. Oh so yeah, yeah. Two okay. two QBs scored, and then their running back has four, one of their running backs has four touchdowns. I forget about that. Who they two. who do they play? Like some FCS team last week. I forgot about the FCS team. So uh, they probably scored all those touchdowns. Still gets, nine yeah. touchdowns. That's it. Because hmm. <laughs> I don't think they scored any against Georgia. I don't know if they scored any against um, this last game either. So well, interesting to see. Uh, West Virginia and Oklahoma. This should be never. I don't know what to expect. Ugly game here. Um, I'm going to go Oklahoma 31 to 20. I'm thinking that it's going to be close for most of this game, but Oklahoma could surprise and come out firing, but I haven't seen that yet. So I'm going to keep it more, more tight 31 to 20 here. And I don't trust their defense. So they're going to at least give up 20 points here against West Virginia. Um, Jordan, what about you? 
I have Oklahoma winning as well, but uh, it's going to be a more of a blowout. I think it's going to be 35-10. I think Oklahoma has, you know, their their practice is going to be rough this week. I mean, and uh, if they don't score 35, I, I don't see them winning. They need to blow this team out. I feel like West Virginia showed last week that they're not a team to play with against Virginia Tech. So, and I think that their defense is going to pick it up for Oklahoma. So I got Oklahoma. All right. Um, Ben, what about you, sir? I've got Oklahoma 35 to 17. I just think that the better team by a pretty wide margin, really. Um, West Virginia had the advantage of playing last week in Morgantown. That seems to make a huge difference when the talent level is anywhere near close. I don't think it's that close. The Oklahoma defensive line does have a lot of athletes right there in that front four. They did show that against Nebraska in somewhat being able to stop the run and somewhat get to the quarterback. I think they're going to give West Virginia trouble. I don't really see this game being that close personally. I think it's going to be close. It'll be interesting to see this game. I think West Virginia, after being Virginia Tech, is a much better team than Nebraska, in my opinion. So we'll see. But but obviously, you know, Nebraska probably got up more for Oklahoma than West Virginia does. So we'll be interested to see that as well. This last one is an ugly game, but I could have found another really good game here. So Rutgers and Michigan. Both of these teams are undefeated. So they're both coming in undefeated here in the Big Ten play. Um, but I just got word a couple hours ago to Rutgers. I think two of their cornerbacks are potentially suspended for this game um, because of some weird paintball situation. I don't, I don't know what happened there. But if that happens and they're missing a couple starters on their on the defense, then the yeah, this game might not be close at all. But I'm thinking Michigan 41 to 21. I feel like they'll get a lead and just continue to run the ball with Blake Quorum all the way down Rutgers' throat. So, Jordan, what about you, sir? Uh, I th- I got Michigan uh, this uh, 42 to seven. I think that Michigan's going to score early and push, uh, push it down their throat. I think Michigan has a thing, wants to show, you know, the country that they're not a, they're a good team and they want to be ranked more higher than they are. And I think they, you know, just want to show and be one of those teams. And especially it being at, in Michigan, I think that it's just going to be a blowout. Yep. Ben. Yeah, I've got Michigan easy in this game, 45 to 10. I haven't yet made up my mind if I think Michigan can really even compete with those top four or five teams, but they look a lot sharper and they look like they have a lot more identity this year than they have in the past few years under hardball. They are running the ball down people's throats. I think that's going to continue. I think they think they can do that to Ohio State at the end of the year, and I happen to agree with them because Ohio State's defense is pitiful. Um, This is all Michigan here. All right. All right. Let's jump into playoff predictions. So after all these really terrible performances after three weeks for all the teams, uh, I just, it's very difficult to pick like, here's four teams for sure. They're going to the playoffs. I will say for sure. I think Georgia and Alabama are going, those are my locks. After that, it gets really muddy. I might now I have Oregon. I put Oregon in my top four. Um, I don't, you know, other than I, I just don't feel like anybody in the Pac-12 can play with them. But that doesn't mean they can't take a loss. If they take one loss, then they're out of the playoff you know, hunt. So, you know, that's one one loss away from that. As my fourth pick, I, I, I thought about Ohio State, but after Ohio State, you know, looked against Tulsa, I feel like they're going to end up with a loss somewhere down the road. So I don't feel like they're, you know, I never lost on the road. So I don't think they're ever going to be able to come back and make it. I thought about the other Big Ten teams, but they're going to beat each other up. I think everybody will have a, at least a loss there. I think Clemson will end up with another loss, and there's nobody else in the ACC. 
The Big 12, I think Oklahoma will come up for a loss. Everybody else already has a loss that, that is a big contender there. So it really, to me, leaves Notre Dame. I, I don't know if Notre Dame – I don't think they deserve to be in the top four. But I'm looking at their schedule. If they get through Wisconsin and Cincinnati, I don't know if – I think they're going to go undefeated. They go undefeated during the playoffs. So that's my fourth team is Notre Dame. And so over to you, Jordan. What, who is your fourth? So same two as you, Alabama, Georgia. Um, but I still have Iowa. I still am a firm believer that Iowa, oh, is, Iowa. is a dead team. Um, for me, it could be interchangeable. I have uh, Notre Dame in there. And just like you said, if they went out, I feel like they're going to be good. But same thing you can say about Arkansas. If somehow Arkansas wins out, I feel like they need to be number one in the country and be in the playoffs. I mean, they have Texas A&M this week. Next week, they have Georgia, then Ole Miss, then Auburn, and then they end the season against – or the second to last games against Alabama. So if they win those games, even if they take one loss on the way, I feel like they should be in the playoff picture. I mean, it's uh, – I agree. I think um, if they, they run that table, it's going to be interesting. I, I'm also interested in this game is not happening next week, but in two weeks, Ole Miss versus Alabama, I think is going to be um, another one. I think Ole Miss can just score against anyone. So I'm interested to watch kind of Ole Miss. They're kind of a dark horse team for me because I feel like they can outscore every team in the country. And so Matt Carell, you know, speaking of Heisman in a few minutes, I think he's doing amazing. Uh, ben, what about your four teams? Uh, so I've got Alabama, Georgia, and Oklahoma for now. And I really can't make up with my mind on that fourth spot. I could see Iowa. I could see Notre Dame. I could see Oregon. For now, I'll pick Iowa, although I really don't have any faith in them to score enough points to get through the back end of that Big Ten season. Um, I think it's going to be a game of musical chairs all the way through this year. I don't think we get any more than one undefeated team in the Final Four, maybe none. Alabama could very easily get a loss along the schedule and still get in. Um, I think it's going to be a crazy year. Those are my four. But everybody's weak this year. Everybody's got flaws. Yep, I agree. All right, let's talk about um, lastly here at Heisman. So for me, I kept Bryce Young in, you know, Desmond Ritter for Cincinnati in. And then um, I added in Blake Corum from Michigan. He's just he's running it like crazy. CJ Verdell for Oregon is doing well. And then I have Matt Correll in there for Ole Miss. Like I said before, I, I think I'm really impressed with Ole Miss. Obviously, Lane Kiffin is a really good offensive mind and I think he's going to get the most out of Matt Corral and I really can see them we haven't talked about it much on this podcast but I can really see them going pretty far if their defense is any good at all which they haven't played anybody to know that yet but I'd be interested to see this Alabama team in a couple of weeks uh, Jordan what about you man I have uh, Bryce Young um, I still have Spencer Radler even though he had a not that great of a game last week he still has the numbers and all everything um, I added uh, Matt Carroll, uh, he just dominated last week. So you are, yeah, um, Tony already talked about it. But uh, I also have Peyton Thorne from Michigan State. Um, he's got nine touchdowns in three games. He's playing lights out. Uh, Michigan State looks looks scary. And so I, I got him as just rounding out the field. All right. Wrap us up, Ben. Who, who do you have? Anybody different from your list? 
Yeah, I, you know, you know, you know. I mean, I'm gonna always end different here. All the guys <laughs> you, you talked about, nobody's really stood out yet as deserving a Heisman. Even the guys from the big teams, who we all expect to kind of be in play all the way through the year, but just somebody different from Virginia, Brendan Armstrong. He had over 700 yards passing in two games before this past weekend. They go on the road to play the Tar Heels, and the Tar Heels win by 20 points. But Brennan Armstrong passes for over 550 yards in three games this year. And granted, these aren't great defenses, but he's throwing for a ton of yards. This is 1,300 yards in three games for Brennan Armstrong against uh, North Carolina, Illinois, William & Mary. He's having a great season so far. Just somebody to mention, just somebody to talk about, give some recognition to. Uh, yeah, good. Always like recognizing those ones that are not getting it there. So, yeah, any, anytime we see something here, we'll try to mention it on the podcast. Get them some publicity, you know, and then, you know, they can, if they want to invite us to some of their games down the road because we got them. <laughs> right. So it's always fun. There's some fans, yes. Yes. Um, all right. Well, that'll wrap us up for episode three. Thanks again for joining us for this first couple of episodes, guys. And we will see you again next week. Bye. Bye.